0: And we've got a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics and politics. This is a show for folks who know that when Lex Luthor was elected, he was actually able to get some of his legislative agenda passed. Tonight we've got an interesting <laughs> show. He also there stepped we go. Off the
1: board of his company. Lex Luthor stepped down from the board of LexCorp when he became president. I'm...
0: I'm actually disputing that. I saw that meme going around. I recently reread it. He put Talia Al in charge. I don't think he officially ever stepped down. <laughs> I, I'm challenging not, that meme. She's not I, a
1: blood relative. She's not a relative of his, though. She's like no connection to no. him.
0: But he still ran the damn company, or at least had like an overarching, and she reported to him.
2: You think Talia Al
1: reports to people? I think that's a highly suspect <laughs> analysis.
2: Talia al Ghul
1: to no one. <laughs> yeah,
2: aren't they? They're in the league together too, aren't they? I'm messing this up because my DC knowledge is not what it should be.
0: I don't think he ever <laughs> really? was officially in the League of Assassins. But so she was on the run for her father, who who was trying to assassinate it. She assassinated her. She was going under the fantastic name of Talia Head. And Lex Luthor says, no one's uh, going to take that.
1: You know. Right, exactly. And living like,
0: in like penthouses and stuff like that looks exactly the same. <laughs> and <laughs> Lex Luthor sent assassins that looked like the League of Assassins to try to kill her, to get her to take over the company and make it seem like her father was trying <laughs> to kill her and that he could protect her. And she called him out and she's like, you know, I, you know, I know there were fake assassins that you sent. he's like, yes, because this is the type of guy I am. And she's like, I'll work for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like most
2: job interviews.
0: Exactly. I'm gonna go. So I actually recently reread this, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go and uh, see if I can find it in in my last massive collection because I don't think he actually stepped down. So I'm disputing that meme that went around. <laughs> mm, I see.
1: <laughs> we can at least agree though that it has less of a, a sense of impropriety because it's not being run by a member of his family, even.
0: Yes though it is daughter of a, make a maniac who wants to rule the world, and she herself is, uh,
2: uh, has had some issues.
1: Yeah, definitely <laughs> worst mother of the year, you know, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So are, are,
2: is this, are we implying that Donald Trump is the demon's head? Is that the idea here? No, oh, Donald I'd rather Trump is glorious Godfrey. Present.
1: Look, we're talking about the DC universe. I know this episode is supposed to be talking about John Browler, <laughs> our guest, Iron, um, Iron Fist fan film, but we I, thanks to my outspoken take on matters, we have completely sidestepped it, and now clearly, this is a podcast about DC Comics for no apparent reason. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm just going to have yeah, to argue. Like, look, I mean, we've already established that the worst father in comics is Deathstroke, and the worst mother is definitely Talia. And um, I'm sorry, we're, 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 where 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 were we going with this? I'm not I'm not exactly sure. But but welcome, Wait, to the who show are God. Deathstroke's <laughs> progeny?
2: How did I miss this? This is my complete lack of DC knowledge on full display here.
1: It's uh you know he stalks them. it's not good, oh. but his his daughter is Hmong, and the comic actually is addressing that in the very like in the new series in in a very interesting and culturally specific way, so that's
0: cool oh Destro? yeah, wow, yeah.
1: yeah, 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 horrible father, but at
0: least they've got that going for' him.
1: But the, but not, <laughs> yeah, the, the comic does the
0: comic does. Well, yeah not the the comic does yeah. No, Christopher no, no, no. Priest and
1: we- the various artists on the comic are doing a good job of it. Deathstroke is doing a very, very bad job of being the dad. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, John Brower is someone who Brett and I have known for years through the political work that we do and who is a big, long-standing comic fan and who we haven't had out on the show before, much to my sadness. And we have now had the perfect opportunity to have him join us because John made an amazing fan movie, which if you haven't seen yet, you should pause the podcast and go online right now, which you can find. Uh, uh, I mean, I navigate everything through Twitter because that's how I work uh, in the world. Uh, at Iron I'm and about Rage to tweet it up. Yep. And, Oh, yes, and Brett's going to tweet it up. And it is the Iron Fist fan film that we needed to save us from the doom and gloom <laughs> and awful racism of the Iron Fist TV show. <laughs> Uh, I know I've totally stepped all over Breastplant intro at that point, but I think, I think that's okay. And um, Oh, we're so off uh, the rails, but oh, it's all good. It's really okay. To, to, but I'm um, so to good to quote, oh, really go watch the fan film. Yeah.
0: To, to quote a famous man, fuck it, we're doing it live. We're doing
1: it live. Um, <laughs> so, Willis, yes, welcome to the radio. Um,
2: Thank you. you. You know how much I love you both. So it's, it's really great to be here. Obviously, huge fan.
1: Now, your film, Iron and Rage, reimagines Marvel's Netflix series, Iron Fist, as an Asian-American superhero with a diverse supporting cast, who, I will add, was perfectly cast. Um, and we're discussing your fan film today. Um, and, uh, yeah, John, um, what, was the, what made you decide that now was the time to make, like, you haven't made a fan film, film like this before. This is your baby, right? You, you wrote, you directed it, this is, you starred in it. Um, what, what, yeah, what, this, this what, is my baby. Yeah. Have, I mean, we, you know, as somebody who's working on this independently and has job, like 80 jobs of his own, what made you decide that <laughs> this was the artistic project that you were going to throw down on and devote all your time and effort to making a reality?
2: Honestly, it all goes back to kind of I think why we all love superheroes in the first place and why we're so attracted to to comics and and this fiction and narrative. I. I Like all of us, I grew up loving loving superheroes and loving comics. But it's it's funny the, the very first comic that I adored uh, was the Superman um, Richard Donner uh, Christopher Reeve movie, and I, I loved it for a variety of reasons. You know, I, I loved watching him turn back time. Spoiler alert! I loved watching him save the day over <laughs> and over again. Uh, It was a wonderful, wonderful movie, but I think actually a a small part, which I didn't even know how to really articulate at the time, but was that I actually felt a weird kinship, like, you know, tiny seven-year-old John to Christopher Reeve as, like, this black-haired guy with glasses who was, like, super awkward, but, like, look, his real self was this, like, superheroic kind of persona that he would bust out and save the day with. And even at a, a very young age, I felt this weird kinship of like, he kind of looks like me, I think that kind of matters. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because I can't find anybody who looks like me. Uh, But, you know, this is just, I think from a very early age, I sensed this kinship of people that don't feel belonging finding belonging in comics. And so even before the AA Iron Fist, uh, that is like the the hashtag AA Iron Fist, which is sort of the rallying cry for a lot of the the folks who were upset at Iron Fist casting, uh, even before that whole controversy erupted, I was sort of really looking to, to see about how representation could be better in comics. I was trying to look for for every chance that Marvel and DC had to really show that they had had changed. And so it, it, it super upset me when they announced the casting a while ago, uh, not because I have anything against Ben Jones, but just because there was so much potential there to tell a non-Orientalist, non-culturally appropriating story that wasn't You know, white dude goes to Asia, learns Asian stuff better than Asians, comes back, kicks a lot of ass. And don't get me wrong. Like, I love Bruce Wayne. I love Oliver Queen. I love Dr. Strange. I love the infinite numbers of people for whom this is their origin story. But we've told that, you know, a million different ways and in a lot of ways have done it well before. So what were they going to do? And so I made this film in response to a lot of things. But for me, it was all about representation. And that only heightened after the casting and, as we'll probably talk about, after, you know, Iron Vist came out and we we, we watched it.
1: <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, we really do talk about, like – uh, I've been telling folks, like, don't go and hate watch Iron Fist because Marvel Netflix doesn't know that you're hate watching it. It's just counting Mm -hmm. it towards the total views that the show is going to get. I know a lot of folks who are doing hate watches, Um, that's not not a step along the path towards getting better representation in media, I assure you. But supporting fan works like John's, I think, definitely does, as well as the (laughs) Not yet name released Lewis Tan film that he is going to be starring in that Forrest Whitaker is directing, in which he is oh, playing yeah, a I'm football so player. So for folks who don't know Lewis Tan, um, he got cast, at, he was uh, he's an Asian American. Are you thinking Asian British and Asian American? He's a multinational person of Asian descent <laughs> who um, was is uh, is a martial artist and an actor, and he was auditioned multiple times to be Iron Fist. And instead, they cast Finn Jones, who has no background in martial arts whatsoever and is not a household name in any way, shape, or form. And I say this as a big Game of Thrones fan. Um, and they cast Lewis Pan as a villain who appeared in one episode. And it was such a blinding example for folks about how you have these overqualified, you know, people of color who could do these roles in Hollywood, losing out to mediocre white men. And I'm not saying Skin Jones is a mediocre actor, period, but he's clearly a mediocre choice for the role of Iron Fist, since he has zero martial arts training, um, and proceeded to do a very mediocre job in the martial arts action of the the show, which is essential. And, you know, we didn't have this opportunity to have an Asian-American superhero on television. Now, one of the things that I keep hearing fanboys who, like, don't know anything about uh, the topics like Orientalism and – uh, going around is they go around saying stuff like, well, Iron Fist needs to be an outsider uh, when he <sighs> goes to Kunlun, the fictional country in Asia. Um, so that's why you can't have, that's why he has to be white. Uh, I'd love to hear your response to that, John, as someone who's American person of Asian descent. Um, what What are your thoughts about that particular claim that we can
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I it's, I hear that a lot. Right. And I, I, that's one of the, the main arguments that I hear against uh, against this sort of idea of casting someone else other than just another white guy in the mold of Bruce Wayne and Oliver Queen and, and, you know, Stephen Strange, you know, there, I think that outsider narratives are an important part of storytelling. I think anyone that thinks that Asian Americans aren't outsiders doesn't Really care to understand the Asian American experience at all. I feel like an outsider every day. And I think that there's actually, in my opinion, more to explore about the idea of an Asian American who, like a lot of folks who sort of exist in the borderlands and things like that, when you go to uh, a place like, you know, fake Kunlun or, you know, here, like the Asian Americans often feel like outsiders in both places. And so I think it would be sort of a very a poetic choice and an important storytelling choice to say to recognize that outsider feeling and say, hey, look, you you're an outsider here. You're an outsider in Kunlun where you don't really fit in. You're stranded there. You're an outsider here where you're in New York where you're supposedly the you know scion of this wealthy family, but everyone keeps on doing all this crap to you and no one likes you and there's no belonging. Uh, so I think it would have made absolute sense as an, as an Asian American story, uh, particularly given how, how Asian American voices just erased so often. I mean, I think it's, it's obvious to any Asian American that there, there's a lot of outsider narratives that are possible from that story. And I think it's even funnier to me to hear that line when you, I mean, this isn't really a spoiler at all, but when you think about some of the characters that show up later who are from Kunlun or referenced, that there's not even a sense of Kunlun as like a specific Asian country, like it's not a Tibet or even a faux Tibet, right? And so you have different mm. people who are, quote-unquote, not outsiders in Kunlun who are not East Asian, who are not fitting into sort of typical notions of, of Asianism. And so sort of that argument is even weaker to me on that front.
1: Well, I actually yeah. want to ask yeah. you
0: about that, with because I mean, I've watched it and I've actually now watched it twice. Did you, it seems like the, the television twice. show actually was, yeah, uh, well, I watched it and then my wife needed to watch it, so I, I did it. Well, it was like, we made fun of it. Um, but i yeah, saying, nobody knows that you're hate-watching it. Nobody
1: knows uh, that you're hate-watching Iron Fist. But the
0: the actual city, it didn't really. It feels like they actually somewhat got away from that stereotypical like Oriental setting that comics were really steeped in in the 70s and 80s. Like, it, I mean, did you do you agree with that, or do you get a sense of that at all? Like, it, it actually I, seems I, like it stepped a little bit away from it.
2: I, Brett, I think you're right. I think you know it still is. I think really steeped no, in that perfect, because it's kind of hard to yeah, get away yeah. from. Uh, it's hard to get away from. But I definitely think it stepped away from that. I, I think the the tough thing, though, is the and this is like such a, a thin line or a tough line to walk. But I think if anyone would get how to walk this line, it's, you know, it's it's us. it's It's these folks. It's this audience. But is, you know, the problem isn't. When you have, like, Orientalism, when you have this sort of reductive way of storytelling, the problem isn't, like, look, it's a ninja, or the problem isn't, like, hey, man, that that person's doing kung fu. That's not the problem. The problem is that they're often one-dimensional characters. So my problem with, you know, Orientalism and having, you know, ninjas or, you know, oh, I see a pagoda roof isn't, like, get rid of the pagoda roof. (laughs) It's like, just make sure that the characters you're writing, whatever they're wearing, whatever they sound like, et cetera, are actually human beings. And so that's why I actually have this weird relationship with, uh, you know, there are plenty of times when I think the storytelling has been totally fine and not Orientalist, even with like a ninja on screen or people who are using what might seem like somewhat offensive things. It's like, no, it's more about the characterization and how these people are actually portrayed in the end, you know?
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and what kills me, too, is whenever I hear, uh, like, people saying, well, if we have an Asian actor playing a ninja or a martial artist, that's a stereotype, too. And I just kind of keep saying, like, we have had Asian-American writers like yourself, like Keith Chow, like Sean Lau, all laid mm-hmm. out ways that the story could have been told without it resorting to any kind of, like, racial stereotypes. Was, you know, because you, know, you, you can do martial arts, for example, John, you do martial arts without it, and be, and be Asian-American and have it not be stereotypical. And just because doing this is outside of the imagination of white men who are hired to have big imaginations does not mean that it's impossible to actually do. So I am not surprised. That, you know, once you have folks behind the camera and writing scripts who have different kinds of life experiences, where there's different kinds of stories that can be told. Um, so, you wrote the story, and it's not just Iron Fist. You have a cast of Iron Fist, Luke, um, well, like not, uh, I'm stuttering, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, and She Hulk. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I was lucky enough to see this in script form before the movie came to be, and I really thought it was super cool. And um, I don't want to like spoiler anything from the short, so to speak, but I think you made some really important casting decisions in how you. Uh, develop the character of She-Hulk in particular. Uh, I'd love to get a couple of thoughts from you on that.
2: Of course. So, you know, I, I, I just love the concept of these street level heroes. I, I love the defenders. I love Luke Cage, Jessica, Danny, how they all interact with each other. And also how, like, despite their, in a lot of ways, fantastical backstories, even their are sort of more modern iterations uh, that, they're really grounded as as people and as heroes, that it's sort of, you know, you have the Avengers on a lofty level, you have, you know, a million other superhero teams that go on huge galactic, you know, quests. You have Fantastic Four, you have the Guardians of the Galaxy. There, there are a million folks that have these sort of interstellar threats down pat. And I love that, there's such a personal and intimate, in an often uncomfortable and really exploratory way um, with these heroes. And so to me, a diverse set of heroes was important. And to me, a black She-Hulk could allow for a lot of interesting explorations, uh, even in just sort of the short film that that I I explored a little bit. But to me, there's a lot about, about black rage that isn't often voiced or explored in terms of, and we, we see her in a sort of a professional setting. So it's not even sort of the, stereotypical uh, Hulk storyline of like, I can't control my own strength kind of a storyline, but more just even like, what is the place of rage in a, in an alternate identity, right? What, what is it like to be a person of color at work? And not only do you sort of have uh you know, fairly in, in my specific case, uh, fairly racially problematic, if not outright racist bosses, uh, but you also have superpowers. Right. And so sort of trying to sort of just tug at some of these threads of how these three very different heroes um, explore uh, different uh, traumas that they deal with and have to deal with every day. Uh, so that, that was just sort mm-hmm. of a really important exploration for me.
1: Yeah, I thought that came across very clearly watching it. And and I know, you know, some of the most popular uh, and best She-Hulk cosplayers like Jay Justice or African-American women. And I think that there's a lot of resonance in fandom among um, black cosplayers that they really love doing uh, African-American She-Hulk. So it was cool to see that incorporated there.
2: Yeah, it I mean it was just because I had the luxury of making this as a fan film, I was like, what do I want everything to be like? And kind of just just painted that mm-hmm. way. Um and you know, it's it's funny. One thing that sort of I I think is getting lost in a lot of the conversation about representation that I'm not hearing a lot cuz in in this Iron Fist discussion particularly, but is, there's a lot, there's a lot missing about erasure of voices that we're not talking about, in terms of, there was, even if we think back to, like, the Doctor Strange controversy, right, there was sort of a a somewhat more woke, let's say, uh, response from some of the Marvel folks saying, like, look, would you want the Ancient One to be this, like, super stereotypical, like, Asian, old Asian man figure or woman figure? Wouldn't this just play into, like, really tired old tropes? And and kind of like we've been talking about, like, it, it could, but also, like, if you really think about the outcomes, not even just sort of the the academic arguments, although those are important too, but the actual outcomes – If you're taking away work and visibility from people of color, like, how is that the answer, right? Like, and and in a lot of ways, what I'm reminded of is, like, a lot of times, sometimes even really well-meaning folks, and I've been in this position a lot, too, where, like, if we are uncomfortable with the subject, maybe we just don't even talk about it. But it's, but sometimes not talking about it can be its own form of hurt and its own form of violence. And so if we sort of like if, uh, one great example that I think I see a lot is like if we don't engage in conversation about pronoun usage and we don't do it sort of not just every now and then, but constantly and have that be a new default, then like that's just actual harm to the greater community. Not just like, oh, well, maybe if we don't talk about these issues, they just disappear, you know?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a very good parallel. Um, So what were the steps for getting this made for you? I mean, obviously years of experience doing martial arts was part of it and having been an actor for quite some time on top of being a political campaign uh, communications person. Um, But, uh, yeah, how did you work on making this film come to fruition?
2: Honestly, I, I just got really uh, – it was a combination of, of hard work and, and like a lot of things, a lot of luck. I just worked with a lot of these folks before on different things. Uh, everything from a, my – I got my co-director and my sort of really creative partner in this, uh, Nick Zapara. Uh he and I worked together on a really cheesy commercial once. And so uh, I, I <laughs> could tell his skill immediately. And so we went from making like really cheesy, like stock photo-esque commercials uh to making something much much more much more gritty uh, and my co-actors i've worked with on a lot of different productions so it was it was really fun to channel this this sort of love into something that was was creative and, and i also you know one of my other goals beyond just even trying to raise some of these issues up is I, I like and i think i want to give a lot of credit to the the cosplayers uh the the folks in this community as well but who are really kind of making uh really raising up the 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 quality of work of a lot of these fan productions and uh i wanted to show that a a fan-made film could be amazing as well and so that that was sort of another piece of this was can i get together with some friends and basically no budget and help be part of this amazing new trend which is you know fan film fan art fan fiction is not just this sort of like hilarious Usenet group anymore. Like it, it's still that because we're a beloved community, but it's also this wonderful creative endeavor that I just, I think every day I see a new like piece of fan art or something, and I'm just blown away by, by the work that this community does. So I wanted to be a part of that as well.
1: Yeah, I really think it- like I, Sorry, sure. I mean, really I'll ask my that, question um, people, have, people have really come to realize that fan works are political because they're the product of not seeing yourself in the media that, in the ways you want to have it exist um, and I'm, there mm-hmm. are plenty of fan works that don't necessarily just stem from that desire and people like just to make things because we like to make things but it's such a consistent theme among the fan art that gets like really popular and circulated among people is that it is telling people it is letting people have the space to tell the stories they want to have, that they wish that the, that the publishers were putting out and that they wish that the studios were putting out, but that haven't happened yet. Um, and that, that it's a very, and that the, I feel like the, the creative fan works part of fandom is really some of the most activist part of fandom.
2: Mm-hmm. And, you know, one, one, one thing that I maybe I'm curious about now is the, especially with this amazing community, I'm gonna make a request here, Brett, Alana. I think you need fan art versions of your avatars. You need like a fan art portrait. I need like anime versions oh. of you two as the like. I, I need like a new cover photo for Graphic Policy Radio. Is what I'm asking for. Oh my for god! Right
1: now. I, well, you know, like I I can draw kind of, and now I'm gonna be like shit. I have to I have to do this. Yes. now. But I would be. I'd feel much less vain if someone else did it. I would. I would far prefer to have someone else than um, myself, but. Uh, but that's a that is a point. That is a point. I I it's um
0: something I've always wanted. I've never never regularly. Where it yeah. Yeah.
1: Well you just have to get commissions. I mean ultimately you can just do a commission, you know. The question is like do you True. want to be who do you want to be drawn by? You know. Um but I I've art
0: things done and I always <laughs> Alex was, uh, Ross, yes, all of us goofy. Yeah,
1: yeah, Alex Ross, yeah, 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 I, I, I wish, wish Alex Ross he can he can only do that after doing a couple push ups and then you can have like a reference photo based on <laughs> that. That would be my Alex Ross portrait.
2: Wait, wait, okay. Be, like, now, now, and I don't mean to go down a whole other rabbit hole, but now I would love, love, love to imagine a cover photo of like. You 2 Kingdom Come style like looking older <laughs> but like really like melancholy because like the world is
1: ending <laughs> and
2: like hashtag resist and like you're looking up at the sky to a sky with empty with no superheroes I do this is I'm, I'm ha- looking for the Alex Ross commission now I'll, I'll go fund me this
0: I haven't okay, seen you in a while that it. is now how I look on average so it's not too <laughs> far
1: <laughs> yes it's true Fred has gotten dignified and rageful yeah,
0: I've got the peppering going on the side, I've got this like, Mr. Fantastic thing going, you, you just haven't seen me in a while. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the lines are there, the dejected, broken look on the face, it's all
2: there. <laughs> I just need to yeah. look at the but the, qu- the question is, are you, are you Clark Kent fleeing to Antarctica, or are you Bruce Wayne controlling Gotham City with an iron fist? I'm Rorschach <laughs> wandering New York City with the
0: sign that said the end is near.
1: <laughs> the end is near. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's so right. Wait, Alana, what is your what is your superhero? <laughs> if, if 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 Brett <laughs> is <laughs> wandering Rorschach.
1: Oh God, that's you're breaking my heart. Um, I I, I really wasn't like ready like post Trump post superhero. and post Trump And post Trump superhero, yeah, I'm definitely like the person who's angry that people didn't join the resistance sooner. And I'm trying to think about who is a superhero parallel. (laughs) Who's like, but where were you last year? And I can't think of anybody who's quite like that because no one wants to be with that guy. Right. So that's why I got to (laughs) keep that camp down. That's why I have to keep that response of mine tamped down. That's not, it's not a good, not a good place to organize from.
2: I'm, I'm imagining like a jaded, like Hawkman or something, you know, sort of just like uh, I was part of the justice society, but now all you youngins, this, everything's, it's all going to hell. Like I you're doing, the you're doing it all
1: wrong. I would, I would never argue with green arrow like that. I'm always on his side. So I'm, I would just, I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. It's complicated. Um, well, just, there, are, there are a I few folks know, now that are
0: doing the, like, you can build, you can build the Iron Man suit. You can do all the crazy things. Why can't you, you know, cure cancer, feed the, you know, the hungry and the homeless? Yeah, that's like, that a was a thing that
1: people have been using.
0: Yeah, that that, that was a thing was the for like a, block. a
1: cyborg run. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, where are the good prostheses for everyone if you could have cyborg? Which is like, yes, this is a very legitimate question. Um, mm-hmm. But before we get too far down that rabbit hole, I I feel like we were going to ask <laughs> you something else, John. It might have had I, I you. Thank you,
0: Brett. Go, go with that. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you, you put this project together, you know, with your friends, no budget, stuff like that. Like, how long did it actually take to put it all together and get it out,
2: you know, for the world to see? So in the end, it was it was really wild, and I've been so happy with the response following the film. It's just been getting getting a lot of great attention in a lot of different places. But in terms of actually how long it took to create, it was knock on wood a surprisingly easy process. Like it was a lot of, of hustle in the in the behind the scenes, but in terms of work, the the writing was the uh, a course of about I would say uh, maybe like a, a few days a week of, of work followed by a ton of revision. Uh, but the actual writing time wasn't intense because this is a short film. And so it wasn't nearly as long as like a feature or a season of a series. And then in terms of actual shooting, it was definitely hard to wrangle, wrangle everyone and make sure that we had all the, the timing right and, and locations that we needed. But in terms of actual shooting, once we got all our, our, our ducks in a row, we shot the entire thing in a, in a long weekend. So it was, it was a long, long uh, few days, uh, but it was a really surprisingly quick shoot overall. Uh, and obviously to give you folks context, Um, for, you know, listeners that, that aren't as familiar with making films, you know, it it can take uh, months and months and months to do, to do a feature easily. Um, and so even a short film can, can take much, much longer than the, than the sort of weekend and change that it took us. But, you know, it it, it was probably about a a few weeks worth of work, but in the end from beginning to end, uh, it was probably about, I would say eight months total, uh, not a, a full work, but from the start of concept to release.
1: Nice. That's in a very compressed uh, time frame. Impressive.
2: I, I think. I think honestly, it was bo- just because I'm claiming a little bit faster than it really was because I had been thinking about this for so long, uh, just in terms of you know, in the shower, just being like, okay, I have the superhero story, and the the details were always the same, right? I wanted a fan film. I wanted a diverse cast. I wanted representation, and I also wanted to sort of avoid a lot of the touchstones that I, I think make fan films difficult, which are things like having CGI or actual after effects or post-production worrying a lot about uh, kind of effects that, that I really couldn't realistically do. So you don't see, for example, action scenes in the movie. Um, And then just really trying to explore the characters and like what it's like when the heroes don't want a hero, which look is like almost every story, (laughs) but I think, but I think it's, but I think it's important to explore, especially for these kind of like gritty street level heroes, you know?
1: Yeah. You did work up on the sound design, too. I'll also say
2: thank you. there's there's a lot of there's a lot that I was trying to draw upon with the sound. And in particular, I think the two hardest things were, how do I have a dream sequence about getting shot a lot? And make that seem vaguely okay, and I, with some some interesting editing, I think we did a, did a pretty good job. And then the other was making the punches of a really dead sounding gym sound like Iron Fist punches, which uh, mm. are not due to my strength, but are due to a lot of great work with uh, with audio editing by my director. So thank you, Nick, for for your amazing amazing work. Um, but also also not even to I don't mean to like super awesomely segue but if we did want to talk about it one of the really rough things that i felt with a lot of the fight scenes in the iron fist are how not even apart from the choreography that we've already talked about a little bit and things like that is like i never felt like iron fist was a badass and to me like i get the idea that he's it's part of a longer journey but to me iron fist is a really flashy showy badass and and the fact that we didn't really get to see that on display was definitely really too bad for me
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I, I actually just quote one of my favorite one of my favorite people in fandom, who's uh, Danny from Forbidden Planet, who said like, "There's no way that Finn Jones can act well enough to make me believe that he can be defeated by um, by Lewis Ham." And I'm like, "You're right. That that would be like an Oscar-winning performance to convince me of that. Like no fight <laughs> to choreography could possibly convince me of that being possible."
0: It's interesting with the the fight choreography specifically that that a lot of that's come out recently where they had no time. Like that's been their excuse was he learned the fight choreography 15 minutes before, which is ludicrous, for that sort of thing. Which just makes me really believe that Iron Fist was the we've got no idea what the hell we're doing or what to do with this. Just put something on the screen for us to get the defenders like who gives a shit.
2: Yeah. And, and that, uh, that I was it's funny, I was going to mention, did, did you both hear about that? Because that was yeah. going around and it's it was so painful to hear because that isn't even something that I really like blame someone for. But this, the idea that the schedule was so tight that you would have to learn a fight scene choreography in 50, like 15. Like, good Lord, that's that's a snack yeah, break. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's that that's not like, um, hey, let me learn all this. Hardcore kung fu choreography, like I, I don't even blame Tim Jones for that, right? Like that's
3: hard, yeah. right?
2: And so I, well, I, I feel bad. Like that's. Is that I feel well, like even allowed? Like, are
1: you even allowed to like for something with fight choreography, like under union rules? Are you allowed to teach somebody fight choreography in fifteen minutes? Like, I don't. It just doesn't seem Are rules rule set? But
2: for <laughs> I, I don't think like it's that. That would be it. awesome.
0: That no, I have no idea. It's definitely uh, possible. Uh, possibly, yeah, I mean, it's...
2: like I have I feel not bad worked
0: for, for him
1: before, but...
0: <laughs> that's not on him, it's like, and it's the thing I don't get was, there is, like, there's no time frame that says this show has to be out at this time period, they could have, you know, mm-hmm. waited a, a, another month or two, so, other than that, this is about the time that all the other shows have come out, like, this was a man-made arbitrary date unless there's some contract with Netflix where it says it has to be out in this time period. So I don't understand why the hell they rushed it uh, to begin with. It's just, it, it's mind boggling that they would, they would even think of doing that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right in terms of, it sounds like the kind of thing that would be part of a, way too long ago agreed stipulation in a contract somewhere or even just a like which i get but it's also tough because it's not a creative requirement it's it's a business requirement but i could also imagine some formula of like for this to get the maximum number of views you need to release x days before the next series and if defenders is locked in on you know x date then there might have been some person who made a decision at some point to say all right well it doesn't matter this is our release date you know, no matter what, which is scary to hear, but, you know, we've all been there with deadlines. So maybe that was just a piece of it. Yeah.
0: There's a back, back thing with like something, that feels like a pencil pusher, someone, you know, in the back was like, "You need to go by this date. You need to go by this date. You need to Mm -hmm. go by this date, no matter what, just for some crazy reason that makes no sense whatsoever. But yeah, it's, it's baffling. It, It completely baffles me because everything looks so bad. I mean, I, uh, a, a really good friend of mine is a kung fu master. Like he is a sifu. He teaches every uh, other folks and he like, travels to Bet for six months at a time to train. Um and to, to you know see him in person and then see this and you know on the screen. I'm like I I can get a better you know kung fu martial arts like breakdown with him in his warm ups than anything on the screen that <laughs> should be chore- you know, choreographed and this dude I, like I'm not sure exactly uh-huh. if he's actually like the real Fist. the guy trains in like chi manipulation which is even funnier comparing the two <laughs> um, And wow. the sto- yeah I'm not even going to go out the stories I could tell you and you guys would be like you're full of shit I don't believe it um, but yeah like that's the actual thing he trains in and it just it's completely baffling other than the fact that everything he does is like no that's not how it actually works in the real world of the people who do this um, but that's a whole other rant. <laughs>
2: Wait, so so, so kid, I I actually I need I need both of your uh, not only uh, legendary uh, helpful opinions uh, but also just like I need to to know that I am not the only one that responds this way. So well, mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious. I had like a visceral like. I need to pause Netflix or like run away from the screen reaction uh, in two specific times. And these are not spoilers, I promise, but one is anytime the word chi is used, uh, even though I am <laughs> fully aware, fully aware of, of, of the role of Chi in, in Iron Fist's uh, entire power set. Uh, but literally every time the word chi was used, I wanted to die. And the other one was when uh, he's meditating and he says, Oh anana." Uh, as he's sitting on on a bed, I, it was the other time that I almost destroyed my computer. And uh, I'm just curious, as two people who are not John Brocker and who are not uh, maybe as easily offended as I am, were those as cringing to you, is it or is it just my fragile self? The, so the, <laughs> on
0: the bed and meditating, yes. Like, I cringed on that one. But the, the funniest is the guy that I know who is this real martial artist and does this sort of stuff – The stuff he says was really similar to what they were saying on the screen, which either means he's more full of shit and theatrics and all that, or they got something somewhat right. Uh, (laughs) Like, he'll talk about energy manipulation and stuff like that, so that felt at least somewhat right.
1: Well, when I say don't hate watch Iron Fist, I mean don't hate watch Iron Fist. I have not seen Iron Fist. But I fully understand. I mean, I've seen clips and stuff in the trailers and all that. But, wow. but I, I fully understand how watching him say chi would make your skin crawl. Like thinking about that makes <laughs> my skin crawl. Actually, the, the wait, wait, that wait, made,
0: wait, made me irritated. Oh, no, go ahead, she Brent. started comparing it to to uh, Reiki, when she was the, like, "Why was, oh. like, why do you <gasps> have this book?" And she starts going off on of this. I'm like, "Oh, there's so many other interesting things to like." The smart thing is. Like the actual, so to go off about my buddy, like he has given scientific explanations for everything. He's just like, this is just a different way of looking at science, which is really interesting if you want to explore it and would be really smart since every other mystical thing they've done in the Marvel Universe ties into science. Asgard is like scientific, Doctor Strange is scientific. So go that route. Don't go into the. I'm talking about Reiki. That like, you know, people who get crystals would know what the hell you're talking about. Like that, it just was bizarre. <laughs> As opposed to maybe going and having this scientific conversation, which would have actually been interesting and and tie into you know what they've
2: done before. That it, that it, no, me, you're like, so difficult. right. <laughs> And and I, I I think the funniest thing for me and I is just kind of like on the same line that we're we're all talking about here is almost all of the references back to something East Asian they like and I God I love her she's an amazing actress uh, but when um when the actress who plays Colleen Wing has to a few mm-hmm. different times cite the Bushido code I like also mm-hmm. wanted to die uh, but but like oh, nearly God. all of the yeah, oh, it was, it was not good. Uh, but uh, oh. she did, she did an amazing job with it, but it's, oh. Yeah. Um, but, well, but like really every like reference head, was so superficial. It was like every yeah. single thing was like, and Brett, I'm glad you brought up the Reiki reference because it's like every single thing wasn't like, you know what, let me just do a second Google search. It was like, hmm, maybe we should quote Buddha. Like it was like always like the most obvious, yeah. like potential thing. Uh, there was a, there's a Gandhi quote in there at one point, and I'm just like, I can, okay, I'm, okay, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, wow, I, I was just waiting
0: for lazy. something about, yeah, some, I, yeah. I, it, 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 and the other thing was, that, like, they kept on mixing things up of, like, they didn't understand that there's a difference between Chinese martial arts and Japanese martial arts, because Ooh. Colleen was doing a lot of Japanese stuff, like, with the the samurai yeah. sword <laughs> and some of the other stuff, but the hand is clearly, or, sorry, maybe she was doing whatever, and then the, the hand are clearly ninjas, which isn't the martial arts that she's practicing, and it mm-hmm. just made, like, they just kept on, re- and then they would throw in, yeah, the references like you were talking about. Like, it, it kind of felt like they just thought everything was the same. I was waiting for them to pull in like, <laughs> we're going to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu at this point. And me being like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> like,
1: you just, everybody's thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're dance fighting. I, I, That's I, what. Yeah. And um,
1: I just want to th- I just, oh gosh, you know what? No, hold on that thought. But um, (laughs) Jessica Henwick, the actress who played Colleen Wing, is everybody says she's amazing. And one of the ways that I know that we won the news cycle, we meaning critics of Iron Fist, is for the entire week leading, the entire week leading up to and including the launch of Iron Fist, the banner on Twitter for Iron Mm -hmm. Fist official was her. It was her promotional photo. So it's clearly like the people who are doing marketing for the show realize that the social media was having none of Iron Fist's ridiculous silliness, and that, that, but that we did think she was great and was basically trying to hide behind her. It's sort of like that last internet volume mm-hmm. that Finn Jones made where he's like, actually, the show is about strong women. They're so strong that the men are always leaning on the women for moral support. It's like that same sort <laughs> of like... Failed attempts at feminism, so crash and burn, um, and trying to use that to hide behind uh, when you've actually committed an act of erasure is like paralleled very well there. So the, the mm-hmm. two things
0: that I noticed was um, they it looked like they were starting to do an actual media push for it, and it feels like they dialed it back once they figured that they had a complete <laughs> disaster on their hands. Because if you really think about how Jessica Jones was, was marketed and Luke Cage and Daredevil in the in like the final week or two when those reviews were coming out, it was a hard push and you could you you would be like all over the place and it would just be, you know, Daredevil <laughs> or Luke Cage. And this you could like you'd maybe go to some of those places and there was nothing. So I think they just knew they had a stinker on their hands and were scrambling to try to get something positive out of it. But the, the big thing that at least one positive that came out of this, this show, I think makes the case that we need a, a Colleen Wing, Misty Knight, uh Clear Temple mm-hmm. show of just Gunners those three the doing their things. Yeah. 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 And, and if they're smart, they'll eventually do it. I mean, fuck Punisher. They should be doing that.
1: I agree. I mean, okay, sorry. I, it's very easy to get me to participate about why Punisher should never be the protagonist <laughs> of anything. But, I yeah, that's a whole but I, really think pre- <laughs> I really think that the Punisher should never be the protagonist of everything, of anything, but I also really think that Daughters of the Dragon would be very popular. Everybody loves Misty Knight on Luke Cage. Everybody. Just like mm. Henwick is being identified as being, like, the one good thing from Iron Fist. And obviously, obviously, Claire Temple, a.k.a., is like the goddess of our hearts, so I think mm-hmm. and I, know, I know that I don't mm-hmm. get the sense that she actually wants to be on like a regular show and be in every episode. I don't get that sense about her, but like she could still be having like a bigger role in a Daughters of the Dragon show because perhaps unlike the dudes she has to deal with in the other Marvel shows, she like actually likes spending time with the female characters who are in Daughters of <laughs> the Dragon, so she could be in like. Six episodes as opposed to like three of them or something like that.
0: I mean, but, she, um, she could easily do support and like patch them up and help them and, and do a whole bunch of other things. Like, they're, it's easy to fit Claire into it and not have her in every single episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- yeah. And
1: maybe we're wrong. Maybe she does want to be the star, but I just kind of got the vibe that she was trying to like not do that. But regardless, yeah, that show would be a huge hit. I mean, you could have it have a lot of really interesting stories there, especially when she gets her robot arm, which we all know she's going to have to have. Mm-hmm. Um, could <laughs> see some pretty cool robot designs, robot prosthetics. Yeah, the actress who plays her was super magnetic. Um, I'm forgetting the actress's name who plays Misty Knight, but
0: oh, Misty Knight. I don't remember was it, was really... it was Jessica Henwick for for Colleen. I think is her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Jessica Henwick is it Colleen. But um, but yeah, I think that the actress who plays her was really magnetic. It could totally be part of carrying a show. And you know, we don't have any women of color uh, protagonists in Marvel's. Cinematic or Marvel um, or Marvel's uh, TV world yet. And, you know, right now we desperately need a Ms. America. I'm sorry, we do need a Ms. America show, but we also desperately need a um, a Ms. Marvel show. And that one of the things that we talked about a bit during my hashtag pop politics chat last week was like how really helpful to the world it would be to have a movie or show coming out now with a Muslim teenage girl whose parents are immigrants from Pakistan as a superhero protagonist. Like, that would, Mm -hmm. honest to God, be a force of good in the universe. And it would also make tons of money. Um, There is an audience for it, and people are really hungry for it. And you don't need to wait for the Captain Marvel movie to be out to tell a Kamala Khan story. Like, you can do it in many other ways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
0: I'm I'm hoping we'll see her with the, the Inhumans series that's coming. I mean they would they would be idiotic to not do that. Um but, but touching on the thing, um, she
1: won't be a lead in it. Like like for example, like they had Robbie no, Reyes but, in um whatever, but they he's not the lead He's like a little thing that pops up. Say so with right. mm-hmm. Kamala Khan or the Inhumans show, she won't be a lead, she'll be on the side. And that's just not adequate. but
0: they're they use that to platform to spin other folks off. So there's a Ghost Rider T V show in the works, whether or not it's gonna be Netflix or what, who knows. But that's being, you know, floated around and, and definitely being worked on. So you could easily introduce her and get people, you know, familiar with her and then spin it off. So, you, you know, you you do it at, you know, whatever million television spin offs that there've been. So I mean it's it's a I think it's a safer way to do that without uh, going all in for a whole series because you can introduce her for a couple episodes, see what the reaction is, get people really hyped about her, and then you you throw her into her own television show.
1: But I don't trust um, them to do it right if she's been put into somebody else's show. They're not going to have right. a diverse writers' room working on it. It'll just be the same usual dudes. If they her well, a project around Ms. Marvel, they're going to have they're going to have actual people who are Muslim and people who are Pakistani like involved in the writing room and in that process and that won't necessarily be the case if it's a couple episodes of the show additionally i think it really needs to be something which is accessible to young people like not rated g but like rated mm-hmm. g maybe and um if it's going to be in one of the shows it's not really going to be put out there for like an audience of young people who really need it so that's i mean i'll take it anyway but if it was up to me i would rather her to have like a movie that was like a hollywood movie premiering kind
0: of a situation but what's interesting is the shows out of all the Marvel properties are the most diverse. Like the That's the, the television, uh, or sorry the the ABC shows not not necessarily Netflix but even Netflix to, to yeah. a good chunk of you know the thing. But like the but Agents of Shield is really diverse, especially with Asian characters. You mm-hmm. got out of the what five? We'll say six main leads. Two of them are uh, Asian women. Um, mm-hmm. There, se- there seems to be one rotating black character, a black male character, um, and it sounds horrible, but it's like as one comes in, one leaves. Um, one or two of the other characters, I'm trying to count off the top of my head, and I'm doing a horrible job at it, is, is female, so like half the cast is women. Um, I mean, the, the Clark Gregg, I think, is like, and the one British dude are like the two white male men, and like that's it. They're the minority for the rest of the cast. So weirdly, out of everything the ABC
2: shows have their shit together. I I think that's right. I I, I think one of the things that I'm interested in with uh, Ms. Marvel though is kind of, and I think a lot of this is basically exactly your point, but I, I, I really, when I think about Ms. Marvel and how, super present that story is and like has been for years. Let's be real really real here. But I, I like I I worry that a typical TV show treatment, and even if I think that there there would be diverse voices in the writer's room and from a you know showrunning perspective, like I worry that having like a Ms. Marvel as guest star on an episode or even in like a recurring role, I, I just I just worry that it fits into this sort of formula almost like procedural style of like introducing sort of like minor story when like, as you say, Alana, like you want like a focus, especially because this is so present in a way, not to like tie this back in a weird way, but like in a way that Punisher is not present, even though I actually tend to be a fan of the explorations that Punisher allows. But like, yeah, I, I think that there, you need a focus on Ms. Marvel and you need it in a big sort of feature or at least like full series way, you know?
1: Yeah, because the thing also was like Sanaa and G Willow Wilson, like being like the you know the signature voices who made her what she is, are not people who you have in places of power in Hollywood, like who would be given mm-hmm. the position, who would already be in the position of like working on those shows if it was just another, you know, character and ensemble cast. I mean, what Kamala Khan can do in her own series is she can have stories where they're foregrounding issues like. You know, the specific double standards that immigrant, second generation immigrant kids are, the pressures that they're, they're placed under, um, the conflicts in terms of levels of observance between her brother and herself and her parents in terms of their relationship with the religion. And these are like complicated issues that don't necessarily find their way into the procedural format. The style of this, the comic is really quite different. And I really like, I'm of course in the sucker for the subplot where they're dealing with evil luxury developers who are trying to use the image of Kamala of Ms. Marvel to sell luxury apartments. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I talk about subplots like that a lot when I talk about things that I like, but whatever. And um, <laughs> yeah, like, this, that, to me that doesn't fit in with like what they would be doing on the Inhumans. They also, by the way, they cast like the leads in the Inhumans. And I think it's just like generic white people who nobody cares about.
0: And I've like, no, no one that's been cast. I, I saw that casting. I'm no, like, no, they yeah. Yeah. No one stood out to me. That's what I'm saying. It like, it was just, it seems very boring.
1: Yeah. And like, what are they doing it for? Meanwhile, uh, Taraji P. Henson, who was one of the leading actresses from Hidden Figures, she's gone and she says that she really wants to be in the Marvel universe. And I was, I wrote like, okay. I'd love for her to be Monica. She's African-American actress for people who don't know about hidden figures. Um, I was like, I'd love her to be Monica, you know, photon, because she also said she wants to do more humor work and photon is like the world's darkest sense of humor and was a superhero and could be awesome, but I don't think they're going to put her in anything, but wow, she'd be really great at this being Medusa. And then I went and I said, I'm sure they cast a random white woman as Medusa already. And I looked and they had, so it's like, you know, they'd rather hire, like, white randos than actual, like, people of color with box office history. So.
0: Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, looking at the, the cast right now, I, I forgot they had Ken Ling, and then he's, like, the one person I huh? know what the hell, Um He, ironically, was actually in um, uh, X-Men Last Stand, but he is... I'm trying to f- figure out what you might know him from. He actually he's playing Karnak, and he's a great choice for Karnak. What's
1: his name? Sorry, the actor. Uh,
0: Ken Wang, uh, Long Wang. He was in. He was in Lost. One of the. Um, is he a white? Wait, sorry. Of,
1: is he what is the, what is his racial background?
0: Asian. Some. Uh, oh, okay, that's Asian. Cool. I mean, Yeah. No, I mean Karnak, as cool. he should be Karnak. Yeah, there's him and Gorgon are like the two non-white actors.
1: Okay. Of course, like the royalty ones have to be the... like the, the, I know that they're all part of the royal family, but whatever. Black Bolt and Medusa are the head of the royal family, and they're white. But I do love Karnak. He has a great character. Um, this
0: guy should be good yeah. Karnak. He's the one I remember getting cast and being like, oh, he's actually going to be... He should be really good.
1: Cool. Um, well, say, like,
0: are you disappointed that Vin Diesel isn't Black Bolt?
1: <laughs> no, I, I I haven't really thought much about it to be honest. I have I'm to, going to, to say, Rockers, like Black bummed about that one. I, I like I like to pretend that like Black Bolt really is just like not he's a non-entity and Medusa is just sort of like speaking, actually running everything and. I do think people have done interesting dramatic things with him in the past, so I know that's not a great opinion to have, but whatever. He has one of the best character designs of all time, but they're not going to put him in accordion wings, so I really don't care. The Jack Kirby costume design, Black Bolt, is one of the greatest costumes in the world. I mean, he's got a little pitchfork on his head. He has accordion bellows for wings. He's a musical superhero.
0: Yeah, he really is.
1: It's so if, great, if they get the but they never going to really do happy. it. It's if so, the
0: pitchfork isn't there, I'm it's so even.
1: too zany. It's so too zany. They're not going to do it. It's too zany, but that's what's so glorious about it. Like accordion bellows wings.
0: Yeah. I'm calling it right now. There's no way in hell uh, in humans is going to live up to your Jack Kirby love. Like that's just a given.
1: Nothing does. Only Kirby can. <laughs> oh God. Um, <laughs> Well, oh, back to uh, <laughs> actually, Keith, sorry, Keith Chow asked if it's too late to dial into this, and I think it is, but I will ask him if he has a question or something he'd like to add.
0: Oh, um, hold on. I'm sorry, who were you calling, doing for? The
1: real Keith Chow was asking oh. if he could if he could jump on.
0: Yeah, we've got two people on, so That's I think I dropped say, do him, you I have a question flashback. to ask. Uh, is John? this Keith? Can you hear me okay? Oh, oh so yeah, there. okay, we got you. Cool. Um I know you dropped, so I think Keith is probably the other person. Let's get Keith on. Okay. Keith.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Keith Hey guys. Sorry, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to parachute into your awesome conversation, but I was uh I just got back and saw you guys were live, so I was like, Hey, let me crash their <laughs> let me crash their show.
1: For those who don't know, Keith Chow wrote the essay about Asian American Iron Fist. That's the reason that everybody began to have a big, Mm -hmm. broader public fandom conversation about this in the first place. Was it three years ago, Keith?
3: Yeah, crazy, right? Right? Exactly three years ago. It was March 2014.
1: Wow. So, you know, people have – Marvel had plenty of time to make this right, you know. We were giving them (laughs) plenty of time. Plenty of wisdom, plenty of unpaid labor (laughs) from the creative minds of (laughs) Asian-American fans and critics that they sought, that they went on and ignored three years back. Uh, So, yeah. I also shout out to AA Iron Fist for really being what I think is one of the most successful fan advocacy campaigns. You know, you didn't Mm -hmm. successfully win having an Asian-American Iron Fist on Netflix, but you won the news Mm. cycle. Like, you won the news mm. cycle then, you won the news cycle now, you won the discourse, and I think it's going to have a real lasting effect, I, I think, on what happens moving forward. Do you have any thoughts on wow, that? Well,
3: that's that's awesome that you said that, because the funny thing is, you know, when I set out to write that essay, God, three years ago now, my, you know, honestly, my my actual point wasn't necessarily to cast you know, the, the, the role. I mean, of course it was, but what I, what I set out to do was, was create the dialogue about what it meant to be an Asian American because, and, and, mm. and what's interesting is in the three years, hence the, the debate that has, you know, elicited from that essay or from that hashtag more, more broadly was exactly what I was talking about. This idea that Asians are not American, you know, like, the the fanboys who came out against AA a. Iron Fist with the whole well he's supposed to be an out well, not even the fanboys, right? Like the producers. <laughs> Jeff mm-hmm. Logan Scott Bucky been saying. <laughs> well, he's supposed to be an outsider and if he was Asian he wouldn't be a fish out of water in Kunlun. Never mind the fact you never see him in Asia on the show. <laughs> but but uh but this idea that like Asian Americans are not American, right? That we're naturally foreigners. I've said this before that Asian Americans can only occupy two spaces in in American pop culture. We're either foreigners or we're invisible, right? We can, but we can't exist anywhere in between. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the conversation I wanted to start with iron fist. And, and clearly that's the, that, that conversation was necessary because I think even to this day, even now with the show out with the white lead, people still don't, a lot of people still don't understand that. And, but like you said, I think more people probably do understand that now than they might have had that c- campaign never started. So, and I don't want to take all the credit. I mean, I was, I'm not, I'm sure I'm not the first person to think Danny Rand could be played by an Asian American, but I do think that, you know, that the the social media conversation that was born out of that, and that you know that hashtag led to others like whitewashed out and um, starring John Cho, like this this kind of conversation mm-hmm. about what it means to be Asian American in media, I think, I think that's a, that's a continuing conversation. And, you know, I don't think, even though we didn't win quote unquote, we still have to keep pushing and keep, keep fighting for that. Just, just to fight that idea of what it means to be an Asian American. And I, as
1: someone who like (laughs) studies like fan activism, like, this really is, what the, the, you know, it was a case study that we presented about, at like, conferences mm. and stuff. Like, you worked with, with 18 Million Rising, which is an Asian American mm-hmm. online organization, and then, like, had a petition and collected signatures and, like, built mm. that connection for folks. Well, I'd love to hear from both of you, other than the Iron and Rage fan, Iron and Rage fan film made by John Brower, which you should all watch online right now. What are some recent works that you feel like did a but, did, did a good job with Asian American representation? Whether it's a book or a comic or, or an, or, a, or a show or an indie film, anything.
2: Ooh, good examples are hard. Uh, Keith, you want to take that one?
3: <laughs> well, um, and I, I apologize. I don't know how much you guys covered because, like I said, I just parachuted in like five minutes ago. But um, one one book that I think was amazing that came out recently was uh, Totally Awesome Hulk number 15 written by Greg Pock, mm. yep. which, which yep. was, um, you know, as we all know, the incredible Hulk now is Amadeus Cho. And what was great about that issue and just like a big, like some background in the issue, uh, Amadeus Cho kind of teams up with Kamala Khan, Silk, uh, Shang-Chi, uh, Jake O, oh, who's a, a, a shield agent and Jimmy Wu, who was uh, an agent of Atlas and and they team up but what's great is that they they don't necessarily team up to fight like aliens or something they team up to be like the keynote speakers at this uh, Asian American uh bone marrow uh fundraiser oh, wow. <laughs> right which is a big which is a big deal for like you know the Asian American community and and a lot of the dialogue you know they do the they do this they're like you know they they put on their act for the kids and then afterwards they go to like K-Town and eat barbecue and talk about their parents and talk about their <laughs> love lives. It's like, it's so, you know, it's such a brilliant deep dive into what it means to be an Asian American without like, you know, giant flashing lights. Like we're telling an Asian American story. It was just like <laughs> a natural organic. If you had like six Asian American superheroes in a room together eating kalbi, what would they talk about? That's what mm. this issue was. And it was brilliant. And and the thing is, like that, a story like that could only have been told by someone like Greg Pop. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I don't mean to, like, you know, humble brag, but I've had barbecue with Greg. Like, we've gone to karaoke mm-hmm. afterwards. Like, it felt authentic and organic and real. And it's like, you know, I mm-hmm. joked on Twitter when the issue came out. You know, I'm not saying I'm the inspiration for this issue, but like. <laughs> We've done, this. Not, me and Greg have done the exact it. same thing. <laughs> but that's what was so cool about it. It's like just being Asian American and, and, you know, like someone like me and someone, you know, I don't want to speak for John, but I think I know we loved superheroes growing up, but we never, but those superhero stories never reflected. Like we had to, we had to manufacture our relation to them. You know, John, John was on my podcast recently. We talked about like how Superman spoke to us as Asian people Asian Americans and, and all of the different aspects of the Superman narrative that, that dovetail with being Asian American. But we had to manufacture that, like that's not built in necessarily. Um, whereas this is an organic, you know um, just real life feeling story that Greg was able to write. And because Greg is Asian American, he has those experiences. He can put those textures in that story um, where someone else can't. And, and going back to the Iron Fist on Netflix and Scott Buck, uh, you know, when I dialed in, you guys were talking about Inhumans. I don't know if you mentioned, like, Scott Buck is running Inhumans. Like, he's failed up. <laughs> he did Iron <coughs> Fist, and now they yeah. rewarded him with Inhumans. And they're probably going to cancel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to make room for Inhumans, which means, as you were saying earlier, the one diverse show in the Marvel Universe is probably going to go away to make room for – and then all, you know, all that said – Inhumans does feature Ken Lung and some other actors, but it's Scott. It's Buck, like one other, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's but um, but yeah. Up. So I like, mean, it these needs...
1: mediocre white men failing up all the right. time, and then Aaron Always. Sorkin has the gall to open oh. open oh. it up uh, about how are you saying that white men and people with family <gasps> connections to Hollywood have an advantage? And y- then you we, know, like, how pe- dumb do you have to be? How ignorant do you have to be? It is mind blowing.
3: More than that, and this is something that we also wrote about at the Nerds of Color in 2014, Aaron Sorkin, in those leaked Sony emails, with, a, with an exchange with as the president at the time, Amy Pascal, said, you know, he was, he was tasked to adapt a book called Flash Boys, which is a Michael Lewis book, which is about a, an Asian-American um, Wall Street executive. And he was complaining that he can write this movie because, God forbid, it you know, stars in Asian American lead. And and I'm quoting, there are no Asian movie stars. Like I wrote about that in December, 2014. Like this isn't news that Aaron Sorkin Mm -hmm. has a blind spot when it comes to inclusion and diversity. Uh, and and I say this as like a huge West Wing fanboy, right? I like I love not, the West Wing. But,
1: yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah. I, I
3: can't. I mean, I like my 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 favorite podcast other than my own is the West Wing Weekly. So I mean, I'm I am i am not saying this as just to be a hater. I love the West Wing. I'm only two seasons deep into it, but whatever. <laughs> but, you know, Aaron Sorkin has never Keith? been a champion. Yeah. I Aaron Sorkin has never been a champion for diversity. And it's, I don't know why people are acting surprised now.
1: Well, it's not that people. That's true. Here's the thing. A lot of people say X, Y, Z is already known to be racist. Why are people acting surprised? And I understand that frustration. <laughs> but I think that every time people respond to this assholeism, it's still a positive thing. Like, it's bad mm. that people didn't already know and it's fucked up that people hadn't already read the story and read the coverage and been following it. But on balance, yeah. like, I'd rather than be talking about it now than, like, not sure. having okay. that conversation. And I, I, and fair. what he said in this recent round is so fucking dumb. And, and, and that I think it's, <laughs> sort of like, worth, it's like worth um, diagnosing and analyzing on its own in addition to the earlier statements that were made. Do you know what yeah, I mean? That's but fair. I totally relate really totally to the fair. frustration of, like, where were you before? Because, you know, that's how I feel about everything in terms of, like, organizing and activism, right? Like, I get that frustration, mm. believe me. But I am right, also right, happy right. to have the conversation again about like, yes, this is what the problem with Aaron Sorkin is. And we will keep telling you this every time it comes up. And I'm glad that this time it got higher profile, you know, because uh, variety and social media and all that really caught up, caught up with him, so to speak. Mm.
2: But... I, I'm Sorry, Keith, I'm, I'm really glad I'm that you brought up the, the idea of, of like organic conversations that are authentic, just because I, I, one, I haven't seen this a lot, thank goodness. Uh, although I think if you wanted to be super, super critical, you can see shades of this even in some of the great stuff that like Marvel has done recently. But there, there is a kind of worry that I have because I am melancholy. But there's a worry I have that like even if we get better representation, there's always some writers and folks who think that representation equals like like rising music followed by people of color turning to the camera and saying something like ah, being Asian, let's talk about that for a yeah. And, you know, like, that, like that, kind of, uh, that kind of a speech. And it, it's funny, what I'm reminded of, because uh, I, I, I love video games way too much, but is there's a really cool concept for an indie game about uh, the South Side of Chicago. But apparently one of the things that it's really hamstrung by, despite a lot of its great ideas, is despite its sort of incredibly diverse cast of characters in this video game and just, like, interesting choices to make, at the end of the day, what ends up happening over and over and over again is your main character is is black and faces a lot of different choices based on where he's living, where he's living, and what he's doing for the future. But like inevitably, what ends up happening is that he keeps on having conversations with other black characters about only being black and nothing else. And so like they don't talk about what they like doing or what they're going to do the day. It's like you know, hey, what's right. up, friend? Hey, friend. Like, oh man, racism, right? And it's like, hey, <laughs> like those, <laughs> those conversations happen, but it's also like that's not all that we talk about, yo. Like, right. what, is, what is up with this? Like, although, although anyone, you know, when Keith and I do get together, we only talk about being Asian. Um, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> thank you.
1: I, I, I was wondering that. So thank you for
3: clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, well, that's kind you, of what... Like, voice- that, that, oh, sorry. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I just wanted to... I think that authentic voice Right, is what is missing in something, say like Iron Fist. Um, and I don't know how much you guys watched of the actual show, but there's one there was one scene in, None, the, in the first proudly, episode.
2: But
3: well yeah, well I thing. watched all because I'm I'm a masochist, right? Like I just I couldn't help myself. And it was a struggle hate
1: watching Iron Fist. I know. There
3: were, but there was one scene Nobody... but I felt like there's one scene in the in the first or second episode where he meets Colleen Wing. And I remember, like, people talking about the scene as, like, oh, it's a really, but, you know, Colleen, like, shades him and stuff like that. But then when you watch it, though, like, he, so it's the, it's the scene everybody knows. Like, Colleen's just, like, minding her own business, and then this dirty white boy walks up to her and just starts speaking Mandarin to her. And, and yes, she said, like, but the thing is, the, the, where you know that this wasn't written by an Asian person, where well, you know this was written by a white person, when, when, when Finn Jo or when Danny ran knee Hao's, Colleen her, her mm. first reaction her first reaction is she responds well, number one she responds in Chinese and then she says wait speak English or Japanese I speak that too and it's like no if you were if, you, if some dirty ass hippie white boy walks up to an Asian woman in the park <laughs> and starts knee howing her she's either gonna like punch him in the face or like get the <laughs> hell out of there she's not gonna be like responding in Chinese, number one, and then saying, oh, wait, but I speak Japanese, too, just so you know that I'm also an other. And then they <laughs> kick it all off, They kick it all because, right, like, the, if she just said speak English, I would have been like, okay, that's cool. But she's like, but you can also speak Japanese. And throw in <laughs> some Vietnamese and Thai while you're at it. Oh, but the thing Asian is, too, <laughs> is that she's his love interest, right? Like, she falls mm-hmm. in love with him, which is so canonical, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she, and so, like, the, the true lesson of Iron Fist is that if you, if you walk up to – if you're a white boy and walk up to a random Asian woman speaking Chinese to her, uh, mansplaining kung fu, invading her personal space, she'll fall in love with you, too. It's just it's, – it's, again, it's just, like, that inauthenticity when it comes to those, what those situations are in real life. And what like some white boy's fantasy is, and that's what Iron Fist ends up being. But anyway, Keith is spitting fire
2: right up. now. Keith is spitting fire. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I apologize for
2: hijacking your show. Wait, wait, what, one that second, real fantastic. quick. And I know we're running super low on time, but uh, Keith, you you made me remember. I'm sure you both have seen this, um, but have you all seen uh, the the? I think it was this morning. Um, Scarlett Johansson's response to the Ghost in the Shell. Oh, uh, my stuff have you all seen this yet i i just saw this like uh, like, like during the cast but have you all seen her uh, response in an interview i haven't seen no, it. oh
1: god that sounds painful as hell
2: the major so identity list. yeah so i, I wow I, that is awesome. i i basically just want all three of your opinions but I, I'll, I'll see if i can find it here so the um in response to the like the whitewashing stuff she says I think this character is living a very unique existence experience in that she has a human brain and an entirely machinate body. She's essentially identityless. I would never attempt to play a person of a different race, obviously. Hopefully, any question that comes up of my casting will be answered by audiences when they see the film. So that is the quote.
0: Mm. I would like to point out that they are not doing many screenings of the movie if that says anything. Yeah. That as is far interesting. As early spending, that is it usually means that it's a dog shit movie and the press is going to eviscerate. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I just I think that the Holly, she really Hollywood is, is still has, assuming has that white show. is, like, quote, normal, quote. And obviously, like, that's is mm-hmm. thing that, like, white is neutral, and
3: that is completely dangerous and racist.
1: She's been given every opportunity to reconsider her ways.
3: Well, and apparently, according to Valerie Complex, who writes for the Nerds of Color, and she wrote a, a really fascinating review of the 20-minute sneak peek from Ghost in the Shell from a few weeks ago. Apparently, according to Valerie, that brain that goes inside that machine body is the brain of a Japanese woman. So, you know... (laughs) That's all I'm saying. There's so much there. (laughs) And this is on top of, like, Altered Carbon that's coming out on Netflix soon, in which, you know, if you're familiar with that sci-fi novel, it's, you know, the brain of an Asian man gets put into a, a, a white man's body um and and you know he, in, the, in the series of books it's different sleeves, but in this first book it's a white you know when they cast the show rather than cast the internal character like they did in Quantum Leap, they cast the shell, right they cast Joe Kinneman, who who was the 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 soldier guy uh, 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 sergeant rock in, in suicide squad hes he 's the star of the show, even though he 's just the shell it's like it's like quantum leap only casting the people Sam jumps into. And not Sam oh. himself, right? You know what I mean? So it's like there's this weird fascination of, like, Asian people inside white bodies as the only way to tell our stories, I guess. I don't know. It's all mm, fucked up. That's I mean, gross.
2: Or that very popular yeah. Ohio tale, Death Note.
3: <sighs> it's, it just keeps coming. The thing is, Alana asked, what are some like positive things to end the show on? Here's John. Oh sorry. I um <laughs> I was trying to I was talking about the incredible Hulk and you were like bringing up all this painful stuff.
1: I heard people sorry, yeah, like Badlands. I haven't I haven't watched it but a lot of Asian American martial arts fans like are liking the Badlands. Into the show. Badlands? Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: You know let me let me say this about Into the Badlands. I'm I'm done with AA Iron Fist and this is why. No mm-hmm. offense to you, John. I love what you're doing. But I'm done <laughs> with AA Iron Fist. Because what I the, everything that I wanted out of an AA Iron Fist, the uh, the, the Asian American charismatic lead, you know, who's a badass in martial arts but is also like a complex, conflicted, morally flexible character who's who's driven by his passionate love with uh, love for his African American, you know, love interest uh, with some like amazing fight choreography, that show is happening, and it's called into the mm-hmm. Badlands. And mm-hmm. rather than like lament Aa Iron Fist, I'm like y'all should just tune into AMC. Show the world what what mm-hmm. we what we ultimately wanted with you know a multiracial cast like badass women. And then this year, you know I actually talked to Al Goff, the co-creator of the show. They took oh. the, you know one of the criticisms from season one is yeah there's some really cool women characters but very few women of color so this season they have the master who is like basically what the ancient one should have been in Doctor Strange played by a black Asian woman they have a new Baron coming out this season who's played by an Asian American woman so like there, there are they they not only take the critique but they respond to it you know they mm-hmm. don't get defensive they don't go out there and, and, and try to white explain what they're doing right so, yeah, <laughs> everyone who was lamenting A.I. Iron Fist should be watching Into the Badlands because everything you wanted out of an Asian American Iron Fist is happening on that show. Mm-hmm. So shout out Into the Badlands.
0: No Yeah, that's one. I, I need to go try it again. I tried watching it when the first season was on and, and just the first couple episodes didn't click for me. So maybe I just need to power through mm-hmm. it because I keep on hearing fantastic things about it. Like I gave it, I think, two or three episodes and I'm like it just doesn't it's not working
3: for me. No. Yeah. Well, see, yeah, season 1's short. Season 1's six episodes. Yeah. There's a lot of world building they're trying to do in six episodes. And admittedly, it's an acquired taste because there's some hamminess, some scene chew, scene chewing going on. But uh, <laughs> but it's it's <laughs> like I said, if you want if you want that Asian American and and the fight scenes alone, like you can just fast forward like, to the dialogue and just watch the, the fight. The concept's scene cool. Like the
0: whole—that's the thing that drives me nuts—is the concept's cool, the actors look really cool, like the fight scenes look great. It just it was something where I'm watching, it and I'm like, I, I was, I, I think maybe the pacing or something wasn't for really, me, mm. but maybe I just wasn't like a happy mood when I first watched it. So I definitely <laughs> need to go do it again.
3: Yeah, we we binge tweeted it the weekend Iron Fist came out because it they mm. they debuted their second season the Sunday of that weekend mm-hmm. so we actually we actually had we got the hashtag noc badlands trending that friday evening the night iron fist debuted and it was the into the badlands was trending the day iron fist came out let's just say that's, that's, wow. that's all i'm going to say yeah, that's incredible. a major organizing we
1: act- that's like an organizing achievement like for real yeah
3: yeah we 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 we, we advertise that like we we're going to everyone tune to netflix at, at this time we're going to watch all six episodes The cast and the crew started joining in. That's probably what pushed us over the edge, right? Like, because we had Mm. uh, Al Goff, the producers of the show, the cast of the show, they started using the hashtag joining in. And we got NOC Badlands trending the Friday Iron Fist came out. So I'm very proud of that.
1: (laughs) That's fantastic. I guess my Asian American uh, writer project that I want to highlight is "Monstrous" by Marjorie Wu. Yeah, um, dark fantasy series. Definitely a series I've had good luck getting friends who don't really read many comics to check out. They've definitely liked it a lot. With Asian artic- with an Asian artist um, on it as well, and um, it is a, a comic that we've actually had Marjorie on to discuss about maybe about a year ago or so. Um, definitely Mm -hmm. recommend it for anybody looking for a fantasy story that takes place in a world that we haven't seen a million times. There's no like knights and dragons and the yuge. it's like steampunk Asia influenced by stories that her family told her her about surviving world war two in China, um, which Mm -hmm. was fucking brutal as hell. Um, So yeah, that's my, that's my hot tip for folks.
3: That's a good
1: one, Brett. Do you have something you want to endorse?
0: I would say you, you nailed mine with monstrous. Was the one I had, was thinking of in back of my mind. Yeah, an awesome series. We like it. Um, it's good. I mean, <laughs> speaking of, I mean Greg Pack. We already brought him up with totally awesome Hulk. He's got Weapon X coming down the pipeline, and I'm super excited for checking that out just because it's Greg Pack and he's a pretty solid writer.
1: Yeah, he's good. And very nice guy too, if
0: you ever meet him. That
1: too. Well, thanks, guys. I really loved having you on the show. Um, I'm going to give them when we wrap up. We give our folks uh, one chance, well, one last shot at promoting something that you're working on, and also telling our listeners where to find you on the internet.
3: You can start, Keith, and then we'll do John. Oh, that's great. Well, I I was just first time caller long-time listener so i don't want to be i don't want to be, <laughs> wanna be act, pretending i'm the guest like i said i just hijacked but no i'm, I'm uh, you can find me on twitter at the real chow that's the underscore real underscore chow uh also tweet at the nerds of color I follow uh you can visit our website the i actually have an interview uh that's online right now with steven maida who is uh, a showrunner uh, a former writer on loss and X-Files who actually pitched an Asian American iron fist to Marvel and was rejected. So if you want to read Cold that, thought. you can go to the nerds. Of, yeah. Go to the nerds of color.org and just see, uh, it, it, it doesn't go into a lot of detail, but he does talk about the process of, of what he pitched and, and what they, when they turned him down. So check
2: that out. yeah it, it's an awesome interview keith and although I have to say like kind of even though like I literally made this uh, iron and rage film like i still i am definitely at a place where more AA iron this news like generally makes me sad, not happy at this point, like we've ridden that <laughs> crest to to, to to like each new bit of information is like oh, what we could have had um, but, but uh, but I, I'm John Brocker. I, you can find me online at, uh, on Twitter, it's probably the easiest place. Uh, my last name's a, a mouthful, but it's uh, B-R-O-U-G-H-E-R. So uh, it's just J-O-H-N-B-R-O-U-G-H-E-R. Um, and my new film is called Iron and Rage. Uh, you can find it at Iron and Rage Film on, on Twitter, on Facebook, and, and check things out. Uh, but I'm really excited about some of the, the other work that I'm going to be doing. So you know, keep an eye out there. Uh, my next big uh, thing that I'm trying to tackle is I'm trying to write a, a rom-com feature. Feature uh, that features two East Asian American leads and just try to explore the concept of like uh, of Asianness within desirability and romance, um, using a lot of the rom-com kind of tropes. So, a lot of things on the docket, but uh, I'm really excited on on what's to come.
0: Awesome, can't you? Know, well, can't wait to hear more about that. So, thank you both for coming on. It's been a really fun conversation. So. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll definitely have to do this again. We'll we'll find something positive Absolutely. When, to,
2: to, to talk about. What, once we get the Alex Ross pictures of you both, we can we can celebrate <laughs> and, and, and come back.
0: Just remember I'm gonna thank look you.
2: disheveled and, and
0: looking like the world's gonna end, but that's just average and me. I, and yeah. I,
1: yeah. And I'm gonna look like Hawkman. So we each have squad goals for this purpose.
2: <laughs> Hashtag Fanigurian.
1: Okay. Thank
0: you. See ya. All right. So we're coming on the almost an hour and a half conversation. Uh, Thank you for John joining us and Keith for calling in. That was actually pretty cool Um, Mm -hmm. and fun. So uh, we'll be back next week. We've got another guest and we're going to be talking Legion, uh, which wraps up its first season this Wednesday. So we'll have a nice timely show to discuss the series as a whole. Um, and it, it's been an interesting one. So, yeah, tune uh-huh. in. We'll be back at our normal time for that. So, Alana, we've talked about where people can find Keith and where they can find John. Where can they find you?
1: On Twitter at all times, at E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn. Uh, on Tumblr, sometimes at Alana Brooklyn. And on uh, Graphic Policy, as much as I can manage. And um, thank you to everybody who joined in the Pop Politics chat last week huge success. I think we had over 130 participants happen during the the tweet chat, which is crazy good. Um and I know that we'll be doing some more moving forward.
0: Yes. It's really if you check it out, you can also you can still check out the hashtag. So if you missed the chat live, you can uh go back and see all the discussion it was very very nice uh to see uh unloading live. I wish I was around to, to partake, but uh was unfortunately had some other things that were at the same time. So next one I'll definitely hop in. Uh for those listening on. yes, you can catch graphic policy at graphicpolicy.com. We got all kinds of news, reviews, interviews, and more every single day, every hour on the hour, twenty four hours, seven days a week. And you can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube Uh, Tumblr all at Graphic Policy keeping it nice and consistent we'll be back next week with a brand new episode if you came into this one late you want to catch up on it listen to it again share it with your friends Uh, it will be up on iTunes and Stitcher probably a couple hours and then up on SoundCloud tomorrow and uploaded to Graphic Policy where you'll be able to catch it there so thank you so much if you do listen to any of those things please upvote us give us a nice five star rating and get things out there uh, for others to see Uh, As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Brett. I'm Ilana. Keep it geeky.